You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast. I am feeling so excited and so joyful and giggly already because I have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Ariana Rodriguez. She is an intuitive eating dietitian who specializes in eating disorder recovery. She is the co-founder of Embody Health London. And if you're on TikTok, she is one of the dancing dietitians who definitely caught my eye because I'm a big fan of dancing. And so Ariana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. It's great to be here. (laughs) I've been giggly already, too. (laughs) You are so very welcome. I love the positive energy that you have. And I feel like anyone who is bold enough to just shake their booty on TikTok and teach what they're passionate about is someone I want to have on the show. So I'm really excited today. Just to begin, I'd lo- I know I gave a little intro already, but I'd love to hear about your journey and how you became an intuitive eating dietitian who specializes with eating disorders. Yes, yes. It's an important question is how did I get to this point? Well, it's maybe it's slightly different from perhaps other you know, anti-diet dietitians um, and specializing in disorders. But really where my journey got started was, you know, where I was actually a dancer, a competitive dancer for about the first 18 years of my life. Oh, okay. Well, so, that, that's, that's a huge <laughs> piece of information I didn't yeah. realize, but it makes a lot of sense. Right? <laughs> it, come to, it came to use at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a competitive dancer for quite some time. And it, during that time, I really was able to establish, you know, the the reason why nutrition is so important in my life. So luckily, I had a very supportive mom who was always making sure, you know, have your balanced meals and all these things. And so I was really able to start learning the importance of how nourishment impacts my day to day and how my I feel, how I perform and all of that. So it was, that's really where nutrition came to, to play a big role in my life. And from there, I ended up kind of going into the health sciences and studying nutrition and dietetics. And in, you know, when I was studying dietetics, that's really where, as many other dietitians probably agree with me, that, you know, the diet culture was very much entrenched in what we were learning. And it was something that, you know, eating disorders, maybe we had one module on eating disorders in in our entire dietetic education. So there was really lack of depth in that kind of area. So I didn't know about eating disorders yet at that time. But what I did know was, hey, diet culture, this is diet culture, and this is what dietetic dietitians do, right? So it was unfortunately quite, you know, quite a pigeonholed way of looking at diet nutrition. 
And so, of course, when you graduate, I was very much in diet culture. And that's something that, you know, I always, you know, I have to be compassionate towards myself <laughs> to kind of say, yes, okay, that's all you knew at the time. But long story short, I actually worked in weight management for quite some time. And I actually started seeing the, the, the impact that focusing on weight and diet culture has on people in terms of their psychology, how they feel in their bodies, and just the relationship they have with the external world because of it. And so I thought, you know, red flag, something's going on here. This is not okay. So I did some digging. And luckily, I had a mentor at the time who kind of showed me the intuitive eating book by lovely Elise Reich and Evelyn Chevalier. And when I read that book, that was kind of that aha moment for me. I was like, ah, this is what I've been searching for. This is why it's not working. <laughs> so from that moment on, I actually did, I enrolled in the certification course, the Intuitive Eating Pros. So with Evelyn herself, and that's where I really got my certification. And I started doing some private work um, in, in intuitive in, in eating disorders specifically. Um, and that's where I really fell in love with, with that area. And then from there, I worked into, in a specifically adolescent you know, hospital, a unit where I was a lead dietitian for eating disorders, worked there for a bit, eventually private work picked up and I was, you know, working with Cassie, my co-founder, and that's really where Body Health London just started thriving. And I actually had to leave the hospital to, to be able to, to work in this area. So long-winded answer, <laughs> but that's, that's effectively my, my journey. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. What a beautiful journey. I love that when you were at a young age, you really knew the value of nourishing your body for performance and it sounds like you didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, there weren't huge personal struggles in your personal world related to food and body image. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, that's, it's a bit different than perhaps other, other dietitians or specialists in the area. And I used to kind of think like, oh, do, do, I, do I need to have struggles? But at the end of the day, it is a passion of mine. And it's something that I saw people around me struggling right, with, right? And especially in the dance world, similar to the fashion industry, I think it's something that's so entrenched in that way of thinking is so you have to be a certain kind of size to, to, to excel and that's totally distorted and incorrect and I think luckily I think it's because of the the my mom being there and kind of giving me that guidance and she's a natural intuitive eater bless her thank thankfully and so so that was really helpful in my journey yeah that is really beautiful and super awesome to hear and I think dietitians who are trained in eating disorders whether or not they had an eating disorder it, it doesn't make a huge difference as long as you're properly trained, you, you stand for health at every size and intuitive eating. That's really great that there are people out there who are willing to help this really misunderstood population. So that's really awesome. And did you, your interest in helping people with eating disorders, how did that start? Yeah, it's interesting. One of my dearest friends in high school actually had an eating disorder. And so it was something I was exposed to from quite a young age. I knew about, about the struggles. So that was on my radar. I never knew much about it at the time, though. I have to say, of course, being in high school, I was kind of in the dark. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? Um, you know, she wouldn't accept compliments, even though I had loads to give. And so it was, it was, it was an interesting psychology that I was introduced to. And only later in my studies did I understand, okay, that's probably what was going on for her. But again, there was still not much depth given into in my studies. And so that's where I think there was a little seed that was planted for me because there was someone I cared deeply about. Um, 
But then fast forward, it was very much when I was actually working in weight management that seeing the detrimental impact of, you know, diet culture and, and shaping people's beliefs about themselves and, you know, make eroding their sense of trust with their bodies. And, you know, of course, eating disorders are much more complex than just merely diet culture. But if it was one, the one way that I was certainly exposed to the idea of psychology, food psychology and understanding that. And that's really where I, I, you know, I was so curious and psychology is so interesting to me as well. So I think my interest in that fed into that and, and the marrying of the two was, was very much, yeah, it just did it for me. (laughs) I could definitely see how working in a weight management facility would expose you to the disordered thinking so disordered yeah awful self-esteem and like reflection of worth based on size exactly yeah that would be really hard and then also being in that and then you as a person instead of just following along there was like red flags and sirens yes it just didn't sit well with me I was like "Mm, gut feeling always trust your gut feeling I, I, I was like, I have to get out of here. I have to to pivot and 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 find you know another special speciality that is really aligned with my values. And for me, I've always I've always said because that friend in high school and beyond, it's very much if I can empower someone to feel better about themselves and and learn to accept themselves, that is you know that is my 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 life's mission. That is a really powerful mission and it's definitely part <laughs> of the work. It's part yeah. of the eating disorder recovery work. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's a privilege. <laughs> I know we both wanted to talk a little bit about body image today. And I think this is a good kind of segue into that because we were just talking about self-acceptance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who is really struggling with accepting their body and they're struggling with body image, what are some really easy ways to start shifting towards more of a body acceptance mindset? Mm, Yeah, it is an interesting question because when we think about body image, we're often, we often believe, and it's, it's, used to be thought that it was very much on a spectrum, you know, not on a spectrum rather, because it is on a spectrum. It used to be thought that it was dichotomous. So either you have positive body image or you have negative body image. And what we know now is that the research shows that's not necessarily the case, right? It's very much actually on a spectrum. It's fluid. It's something that changes, you know, from day to day. So I always like to say the most confident person in the world still has bad body image days. So it's something that can change and we can move it towards the more positive side through skills and practices that that we'll kind of go through in a moment but really the idea is that sometimes it may feel next to impossible for someone who has very poor body image or kind of is disconnected with their physical body to 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 kind of consider self-love or you know body love right that can seem really radical as an idea so the idea is remembering that it's actually on a spectrum. So we want to move you towards perhaps somewhere positive, but it's not to say we're going zero to hero. It's it's thinking about how can we make this realistic and, and take baby steps to really help you shift towards a more neutral, more peaceful place, effectively. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> the spectrum is so valuable. And when you can really 
digest the spectrum, like punny kind of word I just used. But like, if you can really take in and know that there's a spectrum and every day you're just reaching for the next best feeling instead of jumping from zero to 100, you can make more progress and it feels so much more realistic and obtainable than just jumping from body super hate to super love. Exactly, exactly. That would be unrealistic. And it can kind of be disheartening and and, and overwhelming and just make someone say, Nope, never mind, I'm out. (laughs) And that's not the idea here. So it is absolutely possible. So even if you are finding yourself you are in a place mostly of, of have you have more days you know, disliking your body and, and, and being unhappy living in your body than not that, that can kind of shift. And what we want to see on a body image healing journey is having more days become, you know, kind of accepting where you are accepting and you are enjoying living life in your body. Right. So you are kind of returning home to your body. So that would be the, the ultimate aim. But in terms of ways that we can get started is very much thinking about, well, there are a few different ways, but really it's thinking about how can I show my body some basic respect? So without having to think of, okay, I, you know, saying affirmations, I love myself, you know, it has to be realistic. If that's not something that resonates with you too much, of course, there's value in affirmations totally. And self-talk is so, so powerful and important to, to address, but really thinking about, okay, like we said, baby steps, what is that first step we can take is how can I show my body some basic respect? So even if we dislike someone, our neighbor, for example, or, you know, some some ex-enemy friend, whatever it is, how can we just show them some basic respect, right? Because we would probably be at least cordial <laughs> with them. So how can we do that with ourselves? Step one, right? And then, then that can build up to, okay, how can I accept myself in terms of maybe accepting my body for what it does for me every single day? So those would be some nice really baby steps that we can take is focusing on what your body does for you every day. So instead of thinking, oh, my legs, I absolutely hate them. I don't, I dislike my thighs. I, you know, pinpointing on all these places, body checking. It's thinking about actually, yeah, I, I, I dislike my thighs and I am grateful that my, I have legs to get me from A to B, right? Wow. So it's how can we shift that mindset to add that and, so you're acknowledging the dislike, fine, sure, but we want to start trivializing it and moving towards body functionality. So that would be a really great place to perhaps get started. Yeah, that's a really good example of, acknowledging your thoughts and accepting your thoughts instead of resisting them. And I think there's so much pain in resisting the thought that you don't like your thighs. You're like, I hate my thighs. I shouldn't be hating my thighs. And it just like explodes into this mess where if you're like, I, I dislike my thighs and you know, I am grateful for what they do and that I can be so strong or whatever it is that is just such a better way to approach neutrality, even in your mind, just like, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Creating space for your, your emotions and how you feel, but then it being able to use it in a more positive way. It's that reframe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cultivating more peace within yourself. Cause I know when people have eating disorders, they're constantly against themselves. So maybe accepting, accepting how you feel about your body, but also acknowledging the good is a really good tip. So I love that one. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It is a good one. Clients love it too. (laughs) (laughs) What about body trust? I know that you've mentioned that 
And mm-hmm. I literally had a client session today where body trust was the topic because diet culture gives you so much to be confused about. How do you kind of harness the beginnings of body trust in your life? Mm. Actually, yeah. also, how would you define that? Because not <laughs> everyone knows about that. Yes, yes. Well, body trust is definitely something that needs to be practiced. So what I always like to say is in the same way that you start trusting your friend, right? It's Or let's say you start by not knowing someone, right? So you haven't had time, quality time with yourself or this person. So how do you get to build trust with them? And what I usually at the end of the day, the answer is through small acts of kindness, by listening, by acknowledging. And these are the things that start building trust, a trusting relationship with people external from you. And then equally, we can apply that to that relationship that we actually have with ourselves. So what diet culture, like you said so well, diet culture erodes that sense of trust with ourselves because we're constantly being told, what your body is doing is wrong. Don't listen to your body. Let's listen to thing, you know, the external rules, the rules that these so-called diet gurus give to you or, you know, influencers give to you. And, and, And that's when we start relying on other people to tell us what's right for us. When at the end of the day, you know, if we go back years and years when we just came out of the womb, we knew what we needed right? So we, we are meant to know what we need. It's really just, we can get disconnected over time through socialization and all of that, you know, so much cultural stuff that comes into it. <laughs> How, you know, just, just rules that come in that weave into our day to day through movies and social media. I mean, so many things, but ultimately what we want to start doing is reconnecting with our, I like to call it the inner compass is recalibrating our inner compass, right? Because instead of being externally referenced, we need to start coming back to what do I need right now? What is it that I'm feeling right now? So body trust is not only related to the food that we eat, but it's very much building a relationship with our emotions as well and acknowledging what emotional needs we have as well. And so it's very complex, but I think there's so much work that ha- that, that needs to be done to be able to build body trust in the sense that first things first is let's create space for ourselves because often we just, we're so distracted. We're trying to suppress emotions. We're moving away. We're trying to sweep them under the rug. And it's thinking about, okay, actually, can I label my emotion? How am I actually feeling right now? And what is it that I actually need? Do I need to seek support? Do I need to just call a friend for a chat? Do I need to maybe journal this out? You know, so it's thinking about what your needs are. And the more you start meeting them, you know, what we'd want to, what we'd expect to see is, is a bit more of that awareness to know. And, and effectively, when we have that awareness, we can start building trust that, okay, I'm understanding my body a bit more. I'm understanding myself and my, my thoughts and my mind. And that can be something that be, can be cultivated. And then equally on the other side, of course, building body trust can be related to food, right? In terms of on an intuitive eating kind of frame, you know, frame point. So the idea there is, again, coming back to thinking about, okay, your hunger and your fullness. Of course, if we're living with an active eating disorder, just as a little caveat there is depending on what, you know, where we're at with that, we we need to be careful that we may not always be able to rely yet on our hunger and fullness cues. If there's, you know, any trauma that's been experienced, if there's been any type, you know, of, of long-term dieting, sometimes we've lost that connection. So the first thing to get started with would be self-care. And that's where you can start building really, really great sense of trust with your body is by giving it, giving it what it needs. 
Wow. I, first of all, have never really thought about body trust the way, like I'm taking it back to what you first said, bringing it back to how would you build trust with a person and a, a friend? It's like acknowledge that person's needs and right. accept their needs and listen to them. It's like exactly what you need to do for your emotions and your physical body is just start acknowledging those things. So that's, that's really cool. And I definitely see the link how if you can start acknowledging, like there's so, there's so many links to food. It doesn't yeah. have to be this direct behavior change with food. It can be, yes. I'm going to start taking care of my physical body by self-care mm -hmm. and that's going to build trust that may carry over to trusting myself to feed my body and listen to my body's needs. That's really powerful to see that crossover. Yes, it's so interlinked, right? We can't kind of separate them, the, the food with mind and, and, and body. It's really all so, so related. Mm -hmm. I know that with some clients I work with, they come to me with total confusion about their body, but also confusion about their needs. Yes, yes. I, I, I get that too. It's kind of thinking, well, what do I need? Because I've never actually considered it. Yeah, I've never considered what I need physically. I don't yes. know what I want to eat. I don't know what I like to eat. So asking yourself, what yeah. do I want is actually very powerful. Saying, what do I want? And then actually taking action to allow yourself to have that thing or do that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because you are worthy of doing what you want, of getting what you want. And, and it's really a, a journey to be able to, to build up to that. If you're not ready yet, and it seems overwhelming, it's kind of coming up with some realistic goals in order to get you there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And self-care can seem, you know, quite overwhelming for some if, if they haven't necessarily done that yet, or they haven't paid time, you know, given themselves the time to do that. Um, so, I mean, self-care can look different for every single person, but it, I always like to say, it doesn't have to be bubble blasts and you no know, candlelit, you, you know, candlelit bubble blasts and face masks. I mean, that would be, I love that. <laughs> I am definitely the bubble bath, <laughs> but it doesn't always have to be, you know, I have had some clients that hate baths. So it's like, okay, maybe not for you. <laughs> But then we can consider what what would be nice. What do you consider being relaxing, right? Or stepping away from from the kind of day to day where it can be quite busy, or you're in your thoughts. Is how can we move away and give you, yourself space? Sometimes it means as you know, just going to bed a little an hour earlier. That is a form of self care that we don't want to neglect either. <laughs> so yeah. so maybe that's what your your body needs. How's your sleep quality? Maybe can we improve that? Right. So that could be a nice little baby step too meditation, doing two minutes or five minutes a day, starting small and building up, giving yourself space. Really helpful advice there because there's so much you can do to build body trust and self-esteem by not related to food and not related super to like not directly related to your body. Like just taking 10 minutes to read a book might yes. help you start trusting yourself. Like, look at me, take care of myself. If I can take my care of my mental health and intellectual health, I can take care of my physical body. Exactly. So well said. Yes. Yes. I love that. Super awesome. Bring it back because I know you have more tips. I just <laughs> Always so many. <laughs> what about body 
image again. I know you mentioned some really helpful advice before, and then I shifted to body trust. So yes. body <laughs> image, what other pieces of advice do you have for someone who's like really stuck and trying to heal their body image? Yeah. Well, a few tips. So I'll, I'll, I'll share a few top, top favorites. <laughs> um, with a body image, when you're getting started on this journey, it's also thinking about how, you know, how is it that, that self-care is actually going to be one of those things is being able to give yourself a space for self-care. So that's certainly one tip. Secondly, it's thinking about how you're talking to yourself every single day right? So can we make note of that, that self-talk that you're having? Is it really, is it really nagging? Is it this inner critic? How can we turn that volume down, right? And maybe what we need to start doing is reframing these types of, of, of thoughts that we're having, that kind of self-talk. It's thinking about, okay, you know, if I'm saying to myself, oh, I, 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 I hate myself. I look ugly. I'm, you know, I, I feel terrible. Oh, this is just awful. And, and kind of repeating that on, on, you know, on repeat, it's almost like on, on a hamster wheel, right? So we have to kind of step off that hamster wheel so that it stops spinning a little bit, cool down. And, and one way to start doing that is kind of reframing those, those negative thoughts. So how can you use those if you notice, right, I would say, sorry, write down, right? So write down those negative thoughts that you're having in terms of that self-talk, right? When you journal, so self-talk, write down the journaling. And then when, it's a few steps. And then once you journal that down is how can you reframe that self-talk? So that's what you start repeating to yourself daily. For some people, it may be really, really challenging to do this in the mirror, but ultimate goal would be doing some mirror talk. But perhaps to get started, really just saying these things out loud so you can really start embedding them into your neurology is really reciting these. Because once you repeat something long enough, you can start believing it. So it doesn't mean you believe it just yet, but at least you can re reshift. And what I would say is when we reframe, rather than making it something like we said, similar to that fluid body image kind of spectrum it's not something that we, we want to be realistic we don't want to go all the way to I love myself today even though we're not feeling that <laughs> right because that can be a bit trivial it becomes a bit just it doesn't really mean anything right, right. so we want to move towards maybe neutrality mm -hmm. so how can we use a more neutral kind of self-talk so I don't feel great today and that's okay but in, you know, but I, I'm grateful that I get to see the sunrise today, for example. So it's really just kind of trying to bring it back. And when we think of self-talk and, and reframing, bringing in an element of gratitude could be really, really helpful. So I would say, so in a nutshell, mm -hmm. some mirror work could be helpful, right? So thinking yeah. about, okay, how can I, what, what can I accept? What am I, what am I okay with? Second is thinking about just reframing from a different perspective, right? So looking almost like, I like to say like being a fly on the wall. So if you were outside of your body being a fly on the wall, what would you be observing? How can we see it from a different perspective? And then of course, the body functionality that we did talk about earlier is really important. So adding the and kind of statement, right? So I just like my thighs and I'm grateful that I, they allow me to walk from A to B, mm -hmm. right? So that's another one. And then it's important to wear comfortable clothes. If you're not feeling great in your body, it's thinking about how can I at least be comfortable, more comfortable in my body right now? 
So that's going to be an important one. Cleaning out your social media feed. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, that yeah. can be really, really triggering if we're kind of working on ourselves and we're just seeing all of these triggering you know, influencers and bikinis where we're, we're finding ourselves comparing ourselves to these people, then that's not going to be constructive. So can we clean up the feed as well? And then lastly, I would say your support system. Who are you surrounding yourself with? right? Are they, are they constructive? Are they adding, are they bringing positivity? Are they empowering? Or are they kind of pulling you down and maybe not, not supporting you on this journey? So just choosing and picking who you spend your time with and knowing that it's okay to set boundaries and that it's okay to say, no, not today. I'm just going to do something else. <laughs> Making sure that, you know, you are worthy of choosing how you, you spend your time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those are really awesome, helpful tips. I'm really appreciative of everything you just said. You're, just a, you're like an encyclopedia of body image tips. That's really cool. I, I wanted to ask you more specifically about reframing thoughts. Yes. How might someone start practicing reframing thoughts? I know you mentioned gratitude and using the and trick. Yes. Um, Is there anything that they could, how do you approach the thought? Like if you write down a negative body image thought. Yes. My tummy is super bloated and I look big today or whatever. Or horrible today or whatever that would be. How would you approach the thought? Like if you write it down then what, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So what I often like to do is I'll encourage my clients to state and write down, like you said, because the journaling is a really powerful tool there. So we can use it to our advantage is write down that negative body, that thoughts. So like you said, my, I, I don't like my tummy. It's, you know, it's too big, for example. And then under that, you're going to write three different ways that you can actually look at you know, your tummy. So, and that can be, so again, like that fly on the wall. So how would someone else who's more neutral or objective be able to see the situation? What would they say? Or, you know, if it was a friend that was saying that to you, right. And, and saying that about herself, what would you tell her or him? So those are kind of ways that we can start using those types of considerations to then inspire our reframe so that may be something like you may not you may you may be uncomfortable with your tummy today but it allows you to digest food and and you know nourish you and absorb really important nutrition Mm -hmm. right or this discomfort is temporary or so it can be different different ways that we can be kind of going at it um yeah, if that, that if that that does that's perfect. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Something to see, like okay, it really looks like there's a valuable perspective shift you could potentially take on. It's like you swap brains with another perspective. Yeah. Like, would my best friend say? Yes. I actually have this. I do this with my clients in a similar thought. Like when you shift perspectives, like what would a feminist say about your tummy today? What would a, like an athlete or I don't know, like whatever is a useful, what would a comedian say? Add some levity to it or whatever some, you know, whatever perspective is useful for you in that moment can be super powerful. 
that's a fun exercise. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, say? Let's trivialize it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, what would your sarcastic brother say? What would your, yes. what would a chef say? Like different things. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you can jump in and, and then you can just take one of their thoughts. Just, just use yeah. it for yourself. Let's, let's borrow that one. Let's just keep that one in our pocket. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. So just yeah. use it for yourself. So that's really, really interesting stuff. Wow. You yeah. are just is so powerful. I mean, there's so many ways you can do it, but really I think getting started with writing and the, the key is the three. I like, it's the power of three is what we call it. Right. So it's one negative thought, three more neutral ones. Right. So it's, let's smash that, that negative thought. <laughs> That's a really good framework to work from. It's like, don't just give it one thought. Let's just beat it down with three neutral exactly. Three against one. <laughs> it's just not gonna stand. <laughs> it has no chance at that point. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to be intentional about it. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like you can have these negative thoughts spinning through your head if that feels good to your subconscious that day. Like nobody's stopping you from engaging in these negative thoughts. You have to be intentional about wanting to stop the thoughts, wanting to pick a new thought, wanting to challenge the thought. It's really up to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ariana, you are just such a, a bright light. So helpful. It's been a real pleasure. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, how can everyone reach out to you if they yeah. are inspired to stay connected to you? Yes. Yes. So you can find me at on Instagram at nutrition Ari, A-R-I, short for Ariana. And you can also find me on Twitter at nutrition Ari. And you can also find me at my clinic, which is Embody Health London. So it's at Embody, E-M-B-O-D-Y, Health London underscore on Instagram. And you did mention TikTok earlier, so I have to make a shout out. <laughs> Do you want to see some dance? dietitians that are having a good time and really out to empower you to live your best life and and heal your relationship with your body and food then ultimately definitely find us at embody health london ldn on tiktok and it would be so so great to connect with your listeners <laughs> awesome yes i'm sure they're going to want to see some dance videos and get some inspiration that's awesome <laughs> Thanks again for being on the show. I Thank really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, Meg. You're so we welcome. <laughs> we will chat soon. More, more time for giggles. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye.